Welcome to Dad Up, a podcast show for dads about dads being dads. I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the show, I hope you enjoy listening. Please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. I'm super excited about my guest today on Dad Up. Inky Johnson grew up in Atlanta surrounded by drugs and violence. The struggles and challenges were all around him as a young boy, but he managed to defy the odds and received a scholarship to play football at the University of Tennessee, where he was projected to be a top NFL draft pick. However, his dreams of playing in the NFL changed in an instant after a routine tackle that changed the direction of his life forever. You would think that his injury would have destroyed his motivation and crushed his spirit, but that couldn't be further from the truth. When you hear this interview, you will hear a man who looks at the face of defeat and says, am I really failing or is God prevailing? You will see a man gripped by the promise that God has purposes and plans far beyond our own. This interview and the words Inky shares will inspire you more than you can ever imagine. So if you're going through something right now, whatever it is, this interview is directed at you. As a dad of two kids, Inky shares a lot about the wisdom he has gained being a father. He uses his daily struggles as lessons for his kids and pushes them, but he also makes sure they understand that it is okay to fail. He teaches them that failure is part of growing, and he is showing them through his own failures. Please welcome Inky Johnson to Dad Up. Inky, it is certainly an honor and pleasure to have you on Dad Up. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to hearing about your dad experiences and also uh, about what's going on with you. So it's a privilege and honor to have you on, my friend. No, man, likewise. um, Thanks for the opportunity. It means a lot to me, and and I greatly appreciate it. Well, for my listeners who may not know who you are, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, um, kind of a little bit about your story, kind of what happened to you and all that, and then also... um, a little about what you're doing now and how many kids you have. Absolutely. So, uh, Inky Johnson, uh, born and raised Atlanta, Georgia. I was the first one in my family to uh, graduate high school and go to college, uh, get a full scholarship to the University of Tennessee to play football. And ever since I was a kid, you know, I had dreams and aspirations of making it to the NFL so to help my family. I grew up in downtown Atlanta, basically two bedroom home, 14 people and uh, sleeping on the floor, you know, and so I wanted to give my family a better way of life. And I felt as if when I got my scholarship, you know, that was about to manifest. And in my junior year at the University of Tennessee, things were looking up for me. Uh, everything was going well. I was a projected a first-round draft pick as a cornerback. And the second game of my junior year, we were playing against Air Force. It was the fourth quarter of the game. A game is basically over two minutes left. And I go to make a tackle, a routine tackle, and almost lose my life behind it. And it ended up ending my career. I uh, paralyzed my right arm and hand. Had a brachial plexus abulsion. Ruptured the main artery in my chest. I was bleeding internally. They had to rush me back that night uh, to save my life. They took the main vein out of my left leg, plugged it into my chest. And I woke up that next day, and my life hasn't been the same ever since. But I'm extremely thankful and grateful. Uh, for this situation, because it opened me up to, you know, just a new lease on life. You know, I was fortunate to marry my childhood sweetheart, and we have two beautiful children. She's amazing. Um, we got a nine-year-old and a 10-year-old. A nine-year-old, that's my son. He's a junior, Inky Jr. My 10-year-old is our daughter, Jada. Uh, they're both beautiful children, man, and, you know, they're teaching me every single day, but I'm thankful and grateful. Uh, for my family, but I feel as if my injury, um, I wouldn't be the man, the father, the husband, and the servant that I am today without it. Hmm. Well, 
So I'm sure it's um, probably a, a memory that you play over and over in your head um, a lot. When that accident happened, did you think it was serious at the time? I mean, were you like, uh-oh, something's not right? No, I didn't, man. I, I didn't think it was that serious, you know, because you play ball and things happen and you have injuries along the course of the game. I just thought it was a stinger or maybe a broken arm. I didn't think it was that serious until I was in the hospital. And I heard the doctor running back after they had ran several tests. And he was screaming basically to the other doctors. And he was saying, guys, guys, get back here. We got to rush this kid back to emergency surgery. He's about to die. And, you know, at first I thought he was just trying to make the situation more intense. You know, and so I started asking him questions like, I died. And I was like, man, what happened? It was so cool. Like everything was smooth. And that was intense. And he's like, yeah, we ran the test and we noticed you're bleeding internally. And so we got to rush you back right now and repair that artery. And you won't be here in the morning. And that's when I knew it was pretty serious. Wow. And did you know at the time when they told you you had some internal bleeding, did you know then that you were paralyzed? No, I couldn't feel it. You know, I, I couldn't feel my arm in my hand. But, you know, I was thinking maybe like I broke my arm. I had never broken my arm before. I had stingers before. And, you know, when you have a stinger, you can't feel your arm for a short while and you know the length that it had lasted i was thinking well man maybe i've broken something like broken my arm or something that's why it's numb i didn't think it was paralyzed in that moment and that led you to what you're doing kind of what you're doing today i mean as as, as traumatic as that experience was it obviously changed the direction of your life but apparently it was uh for the right reason and um so it's a it's a quite quite an experience that you've gone through but i'm i'm Super happy for where you are today and, and the man you are today. It's moving. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, this, this, this incident has taught me so much, but also, you know, the reason I'm grateful and thankful for it is because of what it did in people's lives that were connected to me. You know, even my own father, you know, and my own mother, you know, and so it was, it was truly a blessing. Well, kind of segueing into your dad role, you know, you got two, uh, you know, nine and 10, they're the, are getting to be that pre-teen years, you know. Um, what do you enjoy most about being a dad? Oh, man, it's awesome, man. Uh, I would say the learning part. My kids teach me so much, you know, that I never imagined they would, you know, just throughout life and experiences and assessing myself and how I deal with them and how I try to teach them. I would say it's the learning part. You know, they teach me so much just by the things they're a part of and me trying to help and guide them uh, to get the best out of them. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's crazy. We, we, our job as parents is to teach our kids to be the best people or individuals that can be and to, to help them learn from experiences and all that. But at the same time, our kids teach us a lot. I mean, we learn so much from our kids. And even, you know, whether they're, whether they're toddlers or, uh, you know, adults, I have two boys and, and both my boys are, you know, uh, my oldest is 21, my youngest is 18 and I still am learning from them today. So, um, it's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so challenges as a dad, what kind of challenges do you face? You know, so, so Brian, my kids, you know, they're growing up in a way that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't fortunate enough in terms to grow up the way that they're growing up. And when I say fortunate, like I didn't grow up with two parents in the household. And my children are growing up with me and my wife uh, every single day. When I was growing up, I had my mother, um, but she's a single mother at the time. My mother had me very young. 
16 years old. I was in the house. She was working a double shift a lot of times. And so in the earlier parts of my life, I didn't have my father. And so I had a lot of questions. And so now with my children, I never forget when my wife uh, was pregnant with our daughter, Jada, you know, I was scared, you know, not in terms of scared that I was going to have a daughter. I was scared from the fact of, man, I don't know anything about you. Like I didn't have a father that was present in the household that I could watch. I didn't have the blueprint or the model that I could watch or that I could ask questions and learn from. I never had that experience. And so, you know, one of my mentors told me, he's like, hey, man, Inca doesn't come with a blueprint, right? Like you learn on the fly, you learn on the go. And so I would say my challenge early on, you know, in the early years, was just trying to do everything right and not realizing that, hey, man, you're going to learn, you're going to make mistakes. Uh, you're going to have shortcomings in certain areas and aspects of it. But also with my children, when it comes to sports and things of that nature, certain things that I want to show them, especially my son, that I can't because of the paralyzed right arm and hand. The blessing of it is it makes me a better teacher and communicator when I'm trying to express something to him or make him get it. Do you find it to be a struggle for him uh, when you're, you know, when you're trying to uh, teach him, whether it's through your words or, or, or show him something? Do you find that he struggles with, with the learning process because of your um, disability? Absolutely. In some things, yeah, in some things from the physical aspect, you know, when I try to tell him or try to show him, sometimes it's a struggle because I can't really show him and I'm trying to tell him. And so I'm sure sometimes it gets pretty frustrating for him from that aspect, but we usually find a way to get it done. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome, man. So what way did your life change when you became a dad? Man, it um, it made me start thinking more long-term um, in terms of the legacy piece. Uh, it made me become really focused on, you know, the way I spent my time. It made me become really focused on my decisions and my choices, uh, paying attention to my decisions and my choices. Like, for example, before my kids came into this world, and I was with my wife, and my wife was great. You know, I was trying to build my career. She's helping me. And, um, you know, I used to just speak everywhere, you know, all the time. You know, I could be coming back from a certain city, and somebody could call me up and say, hey, Inc., I see you in the city, man. We would love to have you come and speak. And I would supposedly be on the way home, but I would still stop and speak because I was trying to build this career. And I'll never forget when I had my daughter, then I had my son, and I was still traveling a lot on the road, not flying, just driving everywhere. And I went to this event and a gentleman pulled me to the side and it was late and they were doing this charity deal. And he was like, didn't you just speak? Didn't I just see you spoke somewhere else at a benefit? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, what are you doing here? Like, I thought you was about to head back to Atlanta. And I was like, well, the people asked me, could I just stop by, show my face, you know, shake a couple of hands. And he said, listen to me. He said, don't keep doing that to your family. He's like, you came up, you did your obligation, right? You did what you were supposed to do. Don't mm-hmm. keep doing that to your family because you're trying to please everybody and be a nice guy, and then your family gets the short end of the stick. He said, you do what you got to do, and then you make sure you get back home to your family because they deserve that time more than anybody else. And he said, you got to make sure your household is straight before you make sure that the world is good. And that stuck with me because early in my career, I was that guy just trying to do all this work, trying to make everybody happy and be this nice guy. And I'm still a nice person, but I wasn't valuing my time, you know, and I was just still like giving it out to anybody. And 
you know, my family was coming up on the short end of the stick. And so now my decisions and my choices and my focus is crystal clear about what the goal is, what the mission is, and what's most important. I love that. And I love that example. And it's, it's funny. It's the reason why I do the show. He, my goal is to talk to, to successful guys like you that are out there making things happen, but are also being successful dads, because there's a lot of dads out there that really focus on being career-driven or focus on other habits, and they leave their family off to the side. And before long, before long, that family starts to regret, you know, even being being in the picture. You know, they start to they start to hold grudges against the the dad or the husband. And it's this is why I do this show. It's one of those things that I just want to get the message out that hey, if you're struggling in this area as a dad, as a father, as a husband, you're struggling in this area because you're so focused on your career. Look at all these other guys like Ian Johnson. Look what he's doing and emulate what he's doing and change your house. I've heard it before. Your legacy is built in your home, not outside your home. And it's so important that people get that through their heads when they're, when they're out there. It's one thing to make, make a living and, and develop this amazing career and this amazing um, life, but you have to focus on your family first. They're your support system. And the second, yeah, the second you start giving them the short end of the stick, they're no longer your support system. And they're the ones that, that you need to rely on most on. So uh, that's a great example. Absolutely. It's awesome. How have you used the challenges that you face, you know, with being paralyzed? How do you, how do you use the challenge to teach your kids about embracing challenge? Absolutely. It's a, um, it's a great, great teaching tool, you know, for my kids. You know, when they see me and they see my disability, they see my arms paralyzed. And they see how I go about my life. You know, like, this is not something that, you know, how most people, they face a level of adversity, whether it be a situation or a circumstance. And, you know, you work through it and you get over it. And then you're on with living your life. Me, I wake up every single day and I live with this. You know, I live with this level of adversity, right? I still got my, my scars on my body, you know, from... You know, my surgeries that I had, you know, my children are finally getting to the age to where they could actually comprehend and understand, you know, some of what happened to me, you know, in that journey. And so it's an amazing teaching tool, you know, when they're dealing with life and dealing with certain situations or circumstances or in their extracurricular or their schoolwork, you know, when they face challenges and I can teach them and talk to them about just what I deal with on a daily basis and they can see that and understand how to navigate it. And a lot of times I, I lean on my wife because she's an educator for, you know, a number of years. And she knows, she knows how to word things and explain things a lot better than me. And so I'll lean on her sometimes and I'm trying to get a message across to her about certain things that she can help me relay that in the right way. Right. Kids do learn a lot through explaining and teaching, but they also learn through visualization, right? I mean, you show them through what you're doing. You show them through how you live. You show them through their, you know, they see what you're doing. They're watching everything you do, right? We've heard that all before. The kids watch everything that we do. It's great that you're teaching them in that, in that way. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to um, affirmations, I, you know, I've talked a lot about affirmations on the show. We know that affirmations are important. Um, I'm sure you teach a lot about affirmations uh, in your talks and your speeches. What do you think is the single most important affirmation you give to your kids? Uh, it's okay to fail. You know, I would say that's, that's the most important because, you know, especially, you know, my children and, 
they want to do so well sometimes for me and my wife because we'll spend a certain amount of time on something. And, you know, even with my son, I remember, you know, one day after a game, you know, and I was talking to him. And this particular moment, we was, I was just trying to have like a casual dialogue and feedback with him. And I'll never forget, you know, he breaks down. And I was like, man, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to talk to him, right? And it breaks your heart, you know, when you see them cry. And I was just trying to tell him, like, hey, hey, man, if you do this, this can lead to this, and this would be great. And one day I was talking to him, and I was like, hey, man, why are you crying? And he's like, because, Daddy, you told me what I need to work on, but you didn't tell me what I did well. And I didn't even think about that, right? Yeah. And I was like, man, I didn't. Right. But also telling him that it's fine to make mistakes. Right. I get you want to do things right. I get you want to do things at a high level. I get it. But it's OK to fail because through failure, we learn just as much, if not more, than we do through success. And so yeah. making them understand that failure is a part of the process. And we've all been there. Not looking at your father thinking, oh, man, my father has never failed. No, I failed a lot. Your mother has failed a lot. It's OK when you get a task. To go at it with the right amount of energy and effort. And if you fail, it's okay. You get another shot to be great. Yeah, it's, you're right. Failure is part of the process. And the only way we learn and grow is through failure. We have Absolutely. to learn from, the, from our mistakes or, or the things that we fail at in, in order to get better. And um, it's hard to explain that to a child or to a young, young adult. But uh, we all know that that's, that's, that's what it takes. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. In your opinion, what do you think qualities make up a good dad? I remember when I was young and my father wasn't present, and it created a certain level of resentment and anger, right? Because I wanted to understand. I was like, man, like, why is my father here, right? And, you know, I wake up and some nights, right, I would have certain questions, whether it was about life or whether it was about goals, dreams, aspirations, because I was growing up in this environment. And I was seeing everything under the sun. You know, you walk out your house, see everything. Drugs, gangs, violence, you saw it all. And it was certain things that I wanted to understand at an early age. And I didn't have them there to ask them a question. And so as I got older, even once we started talking, it was still a level of resentment because we hadn't had the dialogue about why wasn't he present. And then you hear everybody giving you a certain narrative, right, about your father, whatever it is. You hear certain people say, your father was this, or another person, your father was this. And so it's all these narratives. And one day we finally talked about it, right? And, you know, I just asked him. He was in his truck one day. I was like, man, why weren't you there? Right? And he's like, man, I, you know, I messed up. And he was like, but I was young. I was scared. And he said, I had just lost my mother. It was the only thing I had. I had just lost my mother to cancer. And then your mother came to me and she was pregnant. And I didn't know what to do. I lost my mother. Your mother came to me. I was scared and I was running. And I made a mistake. But he owned it. And I used to think a man was like, you know, you would look out, you would see this visual of what success was because I was a kid growing up in poverty. And then I realized that a man was one that was willing to get up every single day and do what he had to do for his family in an honest way, uh, make necessary sacrifices, but also when he came up short and when he failed and when he didn't do something right, man is somebody that's willing to take accountability also for his mistakes and his shortcomings. Mm -hmm. An honest man, but also a man that's willing to assess himself and admit where and when he was wrong. Mm -hmm. That's so good, man. That's so good. 
Um, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's one of those things that, uh, we have to, we have to own up to, to the mistakes that we make, but being present and putting our family first is what's important. Absolutely. Now your, your dad wasn't in your, in your picture a whole lot, but you know, you were around your mom a lot. She worked a lot to try to support you. What do you think is the single most important thing you learned from your mom and or your dad or both of them? And uh, how has it impacted you as a father? Yeah, so uh, from my mom, thing that I learned was um, at, at sacrifice piece, you know, because even though, you know, she was working at Wendy's, she was pulling a double shift, um, she always made the sacrifice and she never missed the game, right? Mm-hmm. She missed some practices because she couldn't get off work. But whenever I had a game, I knew without question, I can count on my mother and I'll be riding with my mother in the car, in her car to the game. You know, that was our thing. I never had to think about, was my mother going to be at my game? And this was from the time I was a kid until I went to college, you know, and that meant a lot to me because she showed me I had to sacrifice throughout the week for you, eight, but it came time having to get me certain things when dues were due for sports, you know, even though we were growing up a certain way, my mother would pull however many shifts she had to pull, whatever overtime she had to pull in order to get things done for me. You know, and that meant a lot to me. And so even with my children now, I tell people all the time, like, I'm not too big to do what I got to do for my family. Because I grew up around a lot of guys to where they grow up in this community, whether it be drug dealers, gang members, or whatever the case may be, and they have this image and this perception in their heads, right? Mm-hmm. And so you get guys and you say, hey, man, just go get a job, right? Just go get a regular nine-to-five job. No, man, I can't do that, right? And I tell them all the time, like, Man, if I got to be a janitor, custodian for my family, I'm going to do that, right? It's honor in having a job. It's dignity in having a job, right? And I think sometimes when you grow up in urban America, in the cities of America, sometimes guys don't feel as if it's honorable to have an everyday job, right? Uh-huh. And so I learned that from my mother, right, when she worked at Wendy's. And the thing that I learned from my father was, even though he wasn't there on the front end, you know, when he came into my life, you know, he came into it, he admitted his mistake, he admitted shortcomings, and he moved forward. And so even with me and my children and me just in my life, you know, being a man and owning up to my shortcomings, owning up to my mistakes and taking accountability for that, I think that's something that's big. Like I tell my son all the time, it's a quote that says, um, more people will learn from their mistakes if they weren't so busy denying them. That means a lot, you know, to me. And so never deny the mistakes. I own it, right? And so it's owning up to things and that sacrifice piece that I learned from my mother. Yeah, the the sacrifice piece is what hits home for me. Um, I, you know, I both my I grew up with both my parents, uh, but they both worked a lot, and uh, they, I, I played sports throughout my high school uh, career. I, I didn't play sports in college, but I played sports throughout high school, several different sports, and. I'll tell you this, Nikki, on one hand, I can count how many times my parents actually came to something, a game, wow. even, a te- even a parent-teacher conference, because not, not because, I, well, at least I want to believe, not because they, they didn't want to. It was because they had jobs. They had to work. They, could, they just couldn't get up and go. And um, with my own kids, uh, I vowed to never, ever, ever do that. And I have been present at every single thing that they've ever participated in, whether it be sports, a parent conference, uh, uh, performance, whatever it is. I have been there through every single one of them uh, their entire lives. And, it's, and 
it was the teachings from my parents of what they did that taught me to change that direction and, and, and be there for my kids. Wow. That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I've coached, I've coached my boys through all their sporting event, you know, sporting uh, uh, career. My younger son is now uh, getting ready to, he just started college this week. Um, and he is, uh, Got a yeah, he got a basketball scholarship to play for Hope International University here in Fullerton. He's uh, oh, looking forward to it. The basketball is kind of on hold right now because of the whole the whole pandemic, but uh, but he's excited about it. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Like you get to coach him, and it's like he went my mom. Like my mom never went to college, but I ended up going to college, and my little sister. Ended up going to college, and both of us graduated. And we were at my little sister's graduation not long ago, and I just stood up and I thanked and I congratulated my mom, you know, because I was like, "Mom, you didn't go to college, but you produced two kids that got the opportunity to go to college, and not only go, they finished." And so that was a testament to the things that you taught us, you yep. know. And so that parenthood is beautiful, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let me ask you this: If I were to ask your uh, son and daughter, Tell me something about your dad. What would you hope that they would say about you? I would hope they would say that, um, you know, he, he loved us unconditionally, mm. right? Like not, not having a love that's predicated upon, you know, if you do good, you know, I'll love you more. Or if you have a certain level of success, I'll love you more. Uh, but making them understand that I'm your father, I'm always going to have your back, and I'm always going to love you regardless. Because I think, when they know that I love them in an unconditional way, it opens up the door for, you know, a level of communication and a level of transparency that a lot of people don't get to receive for whatever reason. So I want my children to be able to come to me about anything. I want my children to feel they can come to me and share anything, whatever they're thinking, whatever they're experiencing, whatever they're feeling. I want my children to feel as if, man, I know my dad loves me and I can come to him and talk to him about anything that I'm going through. And so just stressing to them and making them feel more so with my actions and the way that I treat and deal with them that I love them unconditionally. Yeah, it is important uh, as parents to try to teach our kids that. And communication helps. And, uh, you know, it's something that you're approaching these, you're coming into these, starting to come into these teenage years um, where that, that communication is so important. Um, because they're going to go through a lot of challenges, you know, not only in, the, in themselves personally, but in the influences around them. And to be able to have that open line of communication, I've taught my kids throughout their entire life that, hey, I don't care what it is that you're going through. I don't care if it's something that you've done that you shouldn't have done. You need to feel comfortable to come to me and talk to me because I want to be there to support you in whatever it is. Absolutely. It's awesome. If you had the secret to raising good kids, and I had to ask you to share that secret with me. What would that secret be to Inky? That secret will be um, time. Uh, never take the time for granted. Because I think a lot of times, like we were speaking about earlier, we value so many other things and don't realize the importance of time. You know, we'll never get that back, right? Those moments, those birthdays, those ball games, and, you know, those um, PTA meetings. And these are things that sometimes, man, kids speak about that. You know, when they, when they come and they become adults and they're 30 and 40 years old, you know, they've been holding this pain in childhood, right? So when they looked up in the stands and everybody's dad was there except their dad, right? And they didn't understand it. It's like a story. I heard a story once. Oh, and share. There's a story about um, 
a father and his son and the father would work and the father came home one day and the son asked the father, he's like, hey man, how much do you make an hour? And the father got peed off at him and he told him, man, go to your room. I ain't like, who are you to ask me how much I'm making out? And so the next day he comes home and the son says, you know, can I have $50? And he's like, what do you need $50? Why do you need $50? He's like, I just want to know how much you're making out, but I, I want $50. And so the father's like, I make $50. And the son was like, all right, thanks. And so the father gave him $50. Son goes into his room and the father follows him. And when the father walks into the room, he notices his son is out on the bed and he's catching more money. And so now the father, you know, he's furious. He feels as if my son was trying to play with me. He already had some money. And he's asking me for my money. And so the father pretty much interrupts him, interrupts him and says, man, what are you doing? Like, why did you ask me for $50 if you already got some money? And the son stood up and said, oh, I was just counting up and adding up some more money because I wanted to get a couple of hours of your time. Right? And he was like, that's why I asked you for the money. I just wanted to get a couple of hours of your time. And he crushed the father because he never even thought about it. And so I would say that time piece is the most important. And I know as fathers, sometimes we got to do what we got to do for our families and we got to sacrifice, but also not taking that time with our children for granted. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a great story. Um, and that really does hit home. And I'm sure it hit home for a lot of dads that are listening to this. I had a, I had a guest on the other day who said, uh, uh, you know how you spell love? And I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, it's T-I-M-E. That's how kids spell mm. love. That's how kids mm. spell love. See, I mean, I, and I'm just like, wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's good. But thanks, that's thank good. you for sharing that story. That's a great story. If my listeners wanted to look you up, uh, learn a little bit more about you, where can they find you? And uh, also, what do you have going on this year that you're looking forward to? Yeah, so um, my social media handles are all just Inky Johnson, I-N-K-Y, uh, J-O-H-N-S-O-N. I'm pretty active on those and of course my website inkyjohnson.com but also this year just adjusting like everybody else but still getting the opportunity to travel to certain places and speak uh, to a lot of businesses and you know sports teams and things of that nature and also just putting out content on social media to try to add value to the world and to the people that follow and support me because we're all going through you know a different time right now and so trying to direct my content to that to make people feel like it's okay, man, and get up and keep pressing and keep pushing. Awesome. Well, Inky, it is, uh, like I said before, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, I really appreciate uh, all your wisdom that you shared on being a dad and your dad experiences. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly grateful that you took the time to share it with me. Absolutely. And thanks a lot, Brian, for the time, for the opportunity, and most importantly, thanks for creating this avenue and this platform uh, for us to talk about this. And I think it's something that's extremely important. And I'm sure it's adding a lot of value to a lot of lives. And so thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you again to Inky for talking with me on Dad Up. I am just amazed at this man's spirit. He is certainly an inspiration to his family as well as millions of people all over the world. He knows just how important his role is as a dad. And you can hear he takes it very seriously. Inky represents the Dad Up community very well. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. And as I said before, please subscribe. It is also so important that you share the show with others. The only way the show continues to get noticed is if you're sharing it. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for guests or would like to be a guest yourself, please let me know. You can message me on my Instagram page at datappodcast, or you can email me at dataptribe at gmail.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. This is Dad Up.